Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play Show, where we're going to be breaking down the NFL today, week 15, in the bag. We've got Leo, myself, we apologize for not having one last week. Holidays are crazy, got COVID going around, just a nutty time. But let's go ahead and freshly break down everything that just happened in the NFL. Tomorrow may never show up for you and me, this life is not Leo, Titan's not doing so well, but how are you doing? I'm pretty good, and I actually don't feel too bad about that loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers either. I mean, if we want to get right into it, that that was probably the least concerning loss that I've personally seen this year. I can't promise that the the team feels the same way. They're probably really disappointed that they let that one slip, but I'm okay with that loss. It wasn't as bad as it looked, I guess. Yeah, it was just ugly because of the turnovers. Like, the Titans just once again turned the ball over way too many times. I think that's the biggest takeaway now is this Titans team is turning the ball over a lot, a lot recently. Um, Tannehill has another pick yesterday. I think you guys had – didn't you have two fumbles lost as well? Yeah, it was a bad snap. And then – Yeah. No, I think it was just one fumble. But he he did have a a botched snap that ended up getting taken. The reason I say I don't feel too bad about the loss is because it was four turnovers in the second half. And if you're a Steelers fan, obviously you're looking at it like, yes, we forced four turnovers. Like, that's what we did. But looking at it from the Titans' perspective, it was just sloppy football. And it's it's backups and third and fourth string guys that are dropping the ball and that are fumbling and, you know, and messing up. I feel good about this team if healthy, and that's that's my takeaway after that game. I mean, Pittsburgh, they you got to give them their credit. Their defense did what it needed to do. Yep. Uh, but Deontay Foreman still runs for about 110 yards. Yep, uh, Julio Jones leaves the game early again with an injury, with a hamstring, and, and that's my biggest concern from the game. Not too concerned with the loss because it was just sloppy play, and really it came down to a spot at the end of the game. But Julio with – another hamstring injury re-aggravated it again and at this point I think you got to shut him down for the year if it's bad sit out until the playoffs I think playoffs are pretty much a lock right now so just just wait till then because obviously that hamstring can't take too much 11 Tennessee Titans called a pass yesterday 11 of them so right I mean when when Tannehill's best receiver is Westbrook Akina he's throwing to Chester Rogers he's throwing to Ferkser it's a bunch of guys that you might not even have heard of and if you've heard of him it's only because you're a diehard football fan you know he's throwing to a bunch of backups so I want to I'm hesitant to go too hard on him but it needs to be better the the pick he threw yesterday was on a screen pass that's all him you know that that's all him if you're getting picked off on a screen pass that that's inexcusable it was, to me, it's a little worrying in the Titans year because Julio Jones now looks like an absolute sunk pick and sunk sunk player. Uh, he basically is rested for, what, two months? Came back the majority and in- of the season. instantly hurt the hamstring again. It's going to get cold in Tennessee. It's over. Like, I don't know what you do with him in the offseason. He's a big contract, and you traded a first-round pick for him. 
Um, going to be one of those trades where you looked like you increased one of your strengths, and then Julio just never gets healthy. It's a real fucking shame. I mean, Julio's just... that To me, my number one concern as a Tennessee Titan fan is going, okay, I don't even know if Julio's helpful to give him reps because he can just disappear out of your starting lineup in a second. I mean, he had one catch, no, one target. So, sorry, there were 10, there were 11 uh, Titans that had targets. 10 of them caught passes. Julio Jones had one target and came out of the game. I, I don't really know what you do there. I think the defense for Tennessee looks great. Um, really kept Pittsburgh down. If it wasn't for all those turnovers, they would have really had this game in the bag. Pittsburgh totaled 168 yards. Tennessee totaled, totaled 318. Couldn't punch it in. Uh, 201 rushing yards against for the Titans. Uh, will be interesting to see if really I think all you need is A.J. Brown and, and Derrick Henry to be healthy. Sounds like Derrick Henry will make it back to the end of the year. I think the Titans are playoff bound. Um, let me ask you this, though. We do this kind of like how do you feel uh, with your upcoming schedule. It's not necessarily the easy cakewalk we thought it was a few weeks ago. San Francisco this Thursday, and then Miami, who was 1-7, is now 7-7 seven seven after winning six in a row uh, beating the lowly Jets. San Fran, Miami, back-to-back. And then you'll beat up on Houston, hopefully. You already lost to them once somehow, freaking me out with my Houston bet. Um Where's that worry meter for you now? Uh, it's it's pretty low. And just okay. as a, a quick correction, the Titans traded a 2022 second round pick second, and a 2023 okay. fourth round pick for Julio. Okay. But uh, on the worry scale, I'm not too worried. I'm worried about health. Uh, I mean, okay. if if the players are on the field and they're playing football, my worry meter on a scale of one to ten is like two or three. But if these guys uh, now, if you ask me how I feel about the Titans health on a scale of one to 10, I'm at like an eight, eight point five, nine. Uh, the the schedule, it really depends on what we're looking like. I mean, this Thursday is a quick turnaround. I'm going to go ahead and say that we're not going to have Julio, probably not going to have AJ for that one on Thursday. Uh, but that Miami game, we might start to look at getting AJ back in Miami and there's some slight rumblings there's some rumors yeah. there's a little tease going on that D Henry King Henry might be back for that Miami game uh so yeah yeah if the Titans are healthy I feel good going into the playoffs I'm not worried at all but health has been the thing all year yeah so we're looking at it right now Indianapolis who is the only team that could catch you they are a game back behind you with three to go you two have games the, we have the tiebreaker basically it's two games yeah yeah what I was gonna say is it's it's one game in the win-loss column but you have the tiebreaker head-to-head which will basically mean that you would have to go one and two on your way out and they'd have to go two and one um, or three and oh so they have the Cardinals coming up this week in Arizona primetime game so that's actually really nice Saturday December 25th on Christmas holy shit 815 game on Christmas Indianapolis is going to Arizona that's a hot fucking ticket uh then they get the Raiders and what's left of the Jacksonville Jaguars so that's a most likely two and one I think you guys are sitting at two and one as well so uh, I think you will coast for it but it's going to get a little tighter than we kind of thought maybe four weeks ago 
Um, Man, I thought that Arizona game would be almost a guaranteed loss for the Colts, but yeah. after what we saw yesterday, uh, I don't know about all that. Jonathan uh, Taylor's about to run for 250. Yes, um, and let's flip into it. Uh, brief talking about the Cardinals. Cardinals started out 7-0 and and since then have a loser re- losing record going 3-4. and Yesterday, they are non-competitive against the Detroit Lions. If I'm an Arizona Cardinal fan... I am beside myself with how worried I am. I'm beside myself with how worried I am. I really, really, really am almost full panic. You were a week ago, you were, two weeks ago, you were in the driver's seat for a first round bye. A week ago, you were sitting outside, but with a decently easy schedule to go, you thought maybe you could reclaim it. Um, and it's not, I guess, not decently easy, but you have Seattle in here and Detroit in there. Indy didn't look super tough three weeks ago. Um, and then Dallas looks up and down. Now, looking at Arizona, you lose to Detroit. You have Indy next, then at Dallas, then versus Seattle. A real possibility of going 10 and 7 to finish this year, which will basically put you out of that and into one of the wild card spots. So they will get a wild card spot. But If I'm the Cardinals right now, my offense doesn't look right. My offensive line looks terrible. Kyler Murray doesn't look right. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. Kyler Murray is a tiny football player. Tiny. And every time he gets hit, he looks like he's walking away with a limp. Your concern level, if you're an Arizona fan, about putting a deep run in the playoffs when right now it looks like you just took back-to-back shellackings you lost to the rams you get whipped up on by detroit you have houston you have indy coming to town indy may be the most physical team in the nfl right now you think okay tell me tell me you think cardinals go two and one one and two or potentially zero and three to go into the playoffs Mm, I'm going to say that they're going to end up going 2-1 and one going into the playoffs because Dallas keeps finding a way to win games. But yep. if you really look at what Dallas is doing, it's it looks a little questionable from my perspective. Uh, their, their offense doesn't look like it's humming, and they're going to need it to be. Um, so I, I'm going to say the Cardinals end up 2-1 and one down the stretch. I think the Colts might get them this coming Saturday, but I think they should be able to take care of the Seahawks and the Cowboys. However... I would be extremely concerned after yesterday if I was a Cardinals fan because, I mean, coming into this week, you're, you you had a seven-point loss to the Rams. I mean, you can't beat yourself too much about that. It's a divisional game. You know, it, it's a tough matchup. Can't be too upset. But to follow that up, you would think that they would come into this one angry, looking for a W, you know, looking to right the ship, so to say. Uh, and that didn't happen. They didn't even have a chance in this game. No. Like the, the Lions controlled this from opening kick to the end. Like at no point in this game were the Cardinals even in it. Not even threatening. There right, was not so a it. single point in the game where the Cardinals were a competitive team against a one-win Detroit Lions squad. Not right, right, right. And and so I'm watching that yesterday. I actually saw a decent amount of game. They're getting carved up here by like fourth-string running backs. Uh, they're getting carved up by Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, if you're supposed to be a playoff team and a contender, then, yeah, you, you've got to be smashing the panic button. The glass is broken already. you got your yep. hand on the button. And, and something needs to get fixed. And, you, and, and DeAndre Hopkins out with an MCL till late in the playoffs. Right. And they honestly, said that he's not coming back to the conference championship. Is that right? Or Super Bowl. 
Yeesh. So he's probably done for the year then because I don't know if they that. make a Super Bowl. <laughs> no, they're not making that. And that I, I think that's a, a big loss for them. Um, but you got to be able to overcome it. Losing your number one wide receiver cannot in this day and age be a full stop for your offense. And it has been. And well, let's be honest, even before DeAndre Hopkins went out, that offense hasn't looked right. So I don't know if, if people are starting to cue in on how to contain Kyler Murray better. Um, and, and if you stick to that game plan, you can execute and, and get the dub. But they just aren't looking right, and I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to pull it out. Uh, a couple other games this Sunday that we'll skim through quickly. The Bills get right against the Panthers. Cam Newton threw the worst pick of the year. There's a lot of bad picks this year in the NFL. There was a play in this game. First off, the Buffalo Bills are wearing bright red jerseys, about as red as you can make the color. Bright red. The average NFL player is probably six foot to six one. So they are standing out in, in just solid red uniforms. Carolina Panthers are wearing their mute whites. So it's not like you're fighting, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with any color discrepancies here. But Cam Newton late in that game, to, when they were still not out of it, when it was still a one-score game, uh, he turned around. I guess it was never really to make it a one score. Let me put it that way. He threw the ball as nonchalantly directly into the chest of a Buffalo Bills player as you can see. There'll be a lot of bad uh, picks this year. When you watch the play, it looks like Cam Newton stared at the defender for three solid seconds and then threw him a softball that you would like. If you were tossing a Fabergé egg to somebody and if they got to keep it, you can sell it for whatever it's worth. That's how it looked like he gingerly tossed it to the defender to make sure he would intercept it. Uh, I don't know if it'll make the rounds because there were a lot of crazy plays, but if I see it, I'll tag you in it and, and our followers can see it from there because it was the worst pick I've seen in a long time. Uh, but uh, Carolina Panthers continue to spiral. That Sam Darnold pick, Leo. That Yeesh. that trade's gonna look fucking terrible, huh? Yeesh. It's gonna look real bad. Real bad. Yeah. I got a question for you regarding Cam, actually. Hypothetical. Well, maybe not hypothetical, because we're gonna find the answer here in a couple months. Does Cam Newton have a job at the start of the 2022 NFL season? If your answer to that question is yes, then my follow-up is does Cam Newton have a starting job entering the 2022 NFL season? Yes and no. Yes, he's got it. Well, let me let me preface this. He has a job as long as he's willing to come in and be a veteran leader on a team with a rookie. He does not have a job on a, if he says, I want to be a starter. Let's, let's make one thing very clear. If Cam Newton is your starter, you are not winning games. This is a fact. We, we know this now. It's, a, it's, it's not two years old. This is like a four or five year thing for Cam Newton. So if Cam Newton's your starter, you are very limited in throwing the ball. You are very limited in what you can do offensively. He might be good in a spot start where you can change your offense up on somebody. Cam Newton should be a quarterback in the NFL as a backup. He should not be a starter. That's where I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't have any rebuttal to that. I think if he, if he's cool with taking a backseat a little bit, like he said he was cool with being uh, behind Mac Jones, then I think he'll he'll still have a couple years left where he can do a spot start or two. But, man, it's not looking that great. 
No, yeah, and you and also. And I'm a great. I'm, I mean, I'm a yeah. big Cam Newton supporter. I want to see him win, but like, I can't even lie to you. It does not look great. He looks terrible. He looks terrible. He looks like he's throwing medicine balls. I mean, that arm is is wrecked. Uh, Dallas Cowboys beat the wailing New York Giants. Mike Glennon. I mean, Jesus, how is Mike Glennon getting a job? Uh, the Texans and the Jaguars this weekend played. The only reason why this is notable is uh, Urban finally fired after doing, <laughs> we called it didn't we? <laughs> yes yes after doing everything wrong everything wrong um i want to do a little rant on this real quick i am really 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 sick of leaders of men and women standing up at a podium and blaming woke culture for their own fucking failures i'm sick of people that are supposed to be leaders taking zero accountability Urban Meyer is another example of a child dressed in a man's skin who has abuse of power for years and his ability to negotiate around what rules are in college football allowed him to recruit well a dearth of talent and killers to put together championship rosters in college football. The person is not a good X's and O's coach. And when he gets when he fi- gets fired and stands up there and says, you know, I, I today's you know people are too soft. That's why I wasn't successful. It was never on me. Uh, I don't know why you'd ever put this person in charge again, except to say that when it comes to morals, we don't have any when it comes to winning. It's why we have the same discourse about analytics and things like that. You either win the game or lose the game. And at the end of it, we're ready for every excuse in every direction. Half of America will eat it up no matter what side of it you're on. But can we stop putting people in charge that have zero accountability and then acting shocked when they take no accountability and they suck? I mean, we're talking about a guy who started the year by hiring his on-record racist strength and conditioning coach. So that happened. He got we got him fired collectively. He went through uh, looked like he was out of his mind, not paying attention through the entire year on the sideline. Uh, didn't give any respect to other coaches. Didn't give respect to his own players. Then through the middle of this, finger blasts a girl's anus in a bar uh, with you know a wife and kids at home and everything. Does that? No problem with that. He's and he's got no real remorse for that either, mind you. He does the whole thing. He's sorry he got caught. He's not sorry he did it. It's something he does. Didn't travel with the team. Now it comes out that he kicked Josh Lambeau, the Walter Payton Man of the Year for the Jaguars the year pro- previously. <laughs> hey, hold on. Can we press pause right there? Yeah. Tell me what your reaction would be if your boss comes and kicks you in the middle of your workday. Because I love my boss, but we're going to have a WWE-style wrestling match if I'm working and he just comes up and kicks me. (laughs) If I'm holding something in my hand, I'm throwing it at their head. Like if, if I'm like leaned over somewhere, like, you know, messing with something and you come up and you like put your foot on my shoulder and like kicked me over. So I like lost balance. Whatever's in my hand is going directly at your face. Agreed. And, Agreed. and if it misses you, I'm standing up and I'm getting in your face. If it hits you in the face, I'm going, we're even. You can walk away <laughs> or we can escalate. <laughs> but as far as I'm concerned, we're fucking even. I hit you in the face with a stapler. You tried. You kicked me where we are all good here. You know, so 
and then at the end of it he gets fired and and it's so funny people are so fucking dumb his daughter who is on social media who without a doubt watched him finger blast his her mother uh finger blast a random blonde in a bar uh instead of his mother she jumps out and tells everyone that the media is wrong about urban meyer the truth is the media revealed about one probably one one hundredth of the despicable things urban meyer has done um in his home life and his coaching career and you just don't like it because you loved being insulated in florida and ohio state where all those things stay quiet how do we know they stay quiet because ohio is the state where Urban Meyer fled to after that loss, where he stayed in town and tried to bang his way through a couple blondes. So he was used to getting away with whatever he wanted when he was there in the state. What he didn't realize is the national NFL, well, we love a good drama way more than we love wins and losses. So your ass is going on social media because it's funny as fuck now. I'm not throwing my own coach under the bus in Ohio anymore. I'm throwing fucking Urban Meyer, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, under the bus. You don't get that. So I think that the Urban Meyer thing was an unbelievable and unmitigated disaster from the beginning to the end. The guy was unsuccessful as a head coach. He is a bad head coach. The man will never see the light of day in the NFL again. He doesn't know X's and O's in football. He probably can recruit and cheat his way to wins. Actually, we know that for a fact. Um, he is someone who's recruited stone cold killers before like you know hernandez um which made him wildly successful in florida so i i'm glad we're gone of urban meyer and to put a little pen on it the dysfunction was so bad that they came out the week after where you normally get a dead cat bounce uh you fired him the line actually when they fired urban the jaguar line opened at minus three jaguars minus three and then it bounced all the way up to five and a half when he got fired. They lost by 14. Uh, Urban Meyer has put no one in that building that knows how to do anything successfully. How could he? He doesn't know how to do things successfully at the NFL level. So I thought it was really funny that at the end of that, people started getting on the Jaguar train. They're going to turn it around. They're going to beat Houston. Houston's a terrible team. And then Houston molly the shit out of them in Jacksonville. So, really funny little thing there. Anything to say about Urban Meyer, the Jaguars, the Texans, two teams in your division somehow? You get two completely inept teams in your division? I'm a little disappointed, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, when Urban Meyer got hired, we came here on the Pick and Play show, I don't know, maybe six months ago, something like that, and I celebrated. I celebrated yeah. the hiring yeah, because yeah, I yeah. knew what it meant for the Jaguars. I knew it meant that they would be stuck in the mud for another couple years, and that excited me to my core. So to find out that he didn't even last a full season, which we predicted, but still, I'm yep. very disappointed because I was hoping that he'd fuck the Jags up for another three, four, five years, but they got smart and canned him before his first year was over. So, I mean, when it comes to the Jags-Texans matchup, I mean, the only thing that I think you can take away from this is that Davis Mills might actually be good or decent. Yeah. Uh, Davis Mills, he looked good to me at Stanford. I believe that's where he went to college. Uh, he looked good to me when I was watching his stuff pre-draft. Uh, and he's a guy that I wrote down in my little notepad for my fantasy, my dynasty leagues. I said, just watch <laughs> Davis Mills. But then when the season started and I saw him for the first time, he looked kind of trash. And so I, I kind of in my head kind of was like, all right, well, we'll go back to that later, I guess. But lately, 
especially this week, he looks like the Texans might have something. I don't know. If you if you draft a rookie in the fourth round, I think is where he got drafted, and you you play him and he starts looking a little decent, what does that does that affect what you're going to do going into the next season? You know Deshaun Watson's not going to be the quarterback there, but they were talking about swaps that involve Tua or, or you know swaps that involved quarterbacks. If Davis Mills is good, do you just stick with David Davis Mills or do you say, no, nah, this is just some end of the season bullshit. We're still going to go look for the franchise, quote unquote, the franchise guy. Well, let me let's break this down from a different perspective. As of this far in the year, we had what six rookie quarterbacks, including Davis Mills, who have taken some snaps or were drafted in the first round. Out of all of them, is Davis Mills number one or two? on the list of these quarterbacks. Here's the ranking. In my opinion, Davis Mills has the least to work with out of everyone. Trey Facts. Lance cannot see the field. This is a fact and a disaster. A unmitigated, maybe the disaster on the likes of we have not seen. You've traded three first-round draft picks for a guy who can't beat out the quarterback you wanted to trade. So Trey Lance is the worst out of these six quarterbacks right now. He can't even play football. So let's put him at six. If, if any of these rankings come out of order with you, let me know. No, I'm good so far. Okay. Next up, Zach Wilson. Congratulations, dude. Your offense looks terrible every time you're out and great every time yeah, every, every time you're out, the offense looks good. Every time you're in, the offense looks bad. And you continuously make bad decisions. And I know, I know that there's a plethora of things. Torres, you know, not Torres ACL, hard as PCL. Um, the line's been banged up. The receivers have been moving through. Not all of it's his fault. But when he comes out, the Jets' offense seems to come to life. And we've now seen that enough times that I feel pretty confidently saying Zach Wilson is not making the progress we expect. And Zell can defend his boy. But the data is now getting overwhelming that this guy might not be able to cut it. We'll see if he makes the leak. But I've got him at fifth. Still no argument. Okay, number four on this list, and it gets kind of dicey here, but I've got Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields has shown great flashes and great athletic ability. Once again, unable to stay healthy, don't have a huge sample size of the games he's played, and in the games he's played, it's been wildly inconsistent. Every single thing you can say about Zach Wilson, you can say about, uh, you know, to defend Zach Wilson, you can say to defend Justin Fields, except we know he doesn't have a great play caller as a head coach. So he's got less going on than Zach Wilson, but has still overperformed him. That's where I've got him. I want to give Fields a little bit more room and leeway because we know that the coach that's coaching yep. his offense is damn near actively trying to sabotage him. But yes. again, I can't argue too much. The you know the the results on the field speak for themselves. So can carry on. Still no rebuttal. My number three on this list, and this is where it starts getting crazy, is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I know the weapons aren't there. We know the coach has already been fired. This is chaos. But through all of that, through every little bit of that, they have played 
incompetent teams throughout this year and have proven to be the worst of the two incompetent teams. They, they've now lost to Houston twice. At some point, if you're that guy, you got to stand up and make a play. You beat Buffalo earlier in this year, which is one of the flukiest games of the year, in a game where you didn't do anything. Nine to six win. So besides that, that you've gotten mollywhopped by teams like Atlanta and Houston twice, here come the New York football Jets. You're one loss away from me moving Trevor Lawrence further down this list. Yeah, I can't. I, it's been a little surprising with Trevor Lawrence. And I mean, we're just finished talking about how Urban Meyer was incompetent. So maybe we need to give Trevor another year before we really pass judgment. But he's had at least five games this season where he's thrown the ball over 40 times. He's only passed 300 yep. yards once. Yeah. So, I mean, that's got to be concerning. If you're just going to dink and dunk your way, you know, through the season, that's never going to turn into wins. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, again, no rebuttal. For a team that is unable to really win games, only having 3,000 passing yards to your name is just not enough. Nine touchdowns, 14 picks, 28 sacks. I understand it's a disarray, but judging, you know, we are comparing you now. We are comparing you, Trevor Lawrence, to Davis Mills, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. Tell me which one of them is being set up for perfect success. The answer is zero. Zero. So, you know, I'm, I don't think we're being unfair. I think we're saying we've seen 14, 15 games and we're ranking these quarterbacks, which leads us to Davis Mills and Mac Jones. And, Davis and, Mills. Did you think and, that we'd be saying this name at the beginning of the season amongst the best rookie quarterbacks? No, but you, you got to put him up there. Right. Like For you, comparison's you have, sake, he's passed 300 yards three times already in his young career. And yeah. he's only started seven games, I think. It has been a – and he wins the game. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't turn the ball over recklessly. Is he perfect? Does he make every throw? No. No, he doesn't. But does he put his team in positions where he's not fucking them over? For reference, Trevor Lawrence has 2,900 passing yards. Davis Mills is 1,950. And he, he has missed one, two, three, four, five, six games where he didn't actually play. He has started eight games. He's 10 picks, nine interceptions. Holy cow, bud. You are playing winning football. You're playing winning football on a losing team utilizing one offensive weapon. Davis Mills is better right now than all of those quarterbacks, and it's tough for you to say, if you want to bring to me a Justin Fields argument to move him further up, I will accept it. I will not move Trey Lance from his spot. I will not move Zach Wilson from his spot. I'm not moving Trevor Lawrence from his spot either. So you want to make a case for Fields maybe could jump up? I'd have a tough time telling you that uh, he, you know, Justin Fields would do a better job than Davis Mills in these positions. So, you know, while we're talking about how crazy this year is, the craziest thing might be that at the end of this, and the Houston Texans would have to, you know, put a little bit together here, and, and they have the Chargers, San Francisco, and Tennessee. So no favors to be played for the Houston Texans. But at, at that point in time, they're 3-2 and two in their division in the AFC South. They're holding tough. They're not a complete joke. Um, it, 
they have the worst offense in football, and Davis Mills looks somewhat competent. I, I think that I think that speaks volume to him, and it also speaks volume to the fact that we don't know fuck all about quarterbacks in the NFL. We don't know fuck all about them. And, and when you trade up three picks to go get Trey Lance, who right now is behind Davis Mills, a, a fourth-round pick, I, I, you, you got to look in the mirror and reevaluate what it is that you think you do well at evaluating quarterbacks. And maybe Trey Lance can pull something out late. Maybe he can round the corner and make us all eat it. It would be unheard of. But here we are right now, uh, Davis Mills leading the way potentially for the rookie quarterbacks with Mac Jones – once in the last two games, Mac Jones has won a game by throwing the ball three times, and he lost a game by letting the other quarterback complete five passes. The Indianapolis Colts beat the New England Patriots with five completed passes. Damn, which is Dave, which is Davis nuts. Mills is really number one. So. Uh, just saying, just some little food for thought to chew on here. If you look past all the preconceived notions about these quarterbacks and focus on their surroundings, what they have to work with, and the results they get, it's tough for you to tell me that Davis Mills isn't outperforming at least every other rookie quarterback minus, again, I will take a small argument for Justin Fields, not very long, and I will take an argument for Mac Jones. And Mac Jones, by the way, literally has the benefit of doing absolutely nothing in games sometimes to get wins. And having so, an amazing run game, which Davis Mills does not have at all. Davis Mills does not have a run game. Nope. And an amazing defense. So... That's kind of where I have now. Mac Jones, good completion percentage, 69%, 3,168 yards, 18 touchdowns, 10 picks. That's why I've got him at the top. But again, he's got more weapons. He's got more defense. He's definitely got better coaching. So, you know, if we took this on, we flipped Davis Mills and Mac Jones, I don't see why Davis Mills' numbers wouldn't be as good or not better. So just a little food for thought as we finish this year, looking at what teams spent on quarterbacks and where you can actually find them. Uh, let's flip through the rest of these games here. Uh, Jets versus Dolphins, nothing really to see here. Jets jumped out again to a big lead. Dolphins said, we don't really care. We're going to let you fuck this up. Fuck it up, they did. The Dolphins came back and won that game. Speaking of Zach Wilson, just not getting anything out of this guy. Just really not getting anything important out of this guy. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Not learning anything. Falcons 49ers. 49ers, like we said with Trey Lance, they have rounded the corner. They look like a playoff team without Trey Lance. Good thing you spent a bunch of first-round picks. Uh, the Denver uh, Denver Broncos cut Drew Locke tomorrow. Did you see Drew Locke's fumble in this game? No, no, I did not see it. Oh, my God. He essentially handed the ball to a defender. You'll see it. It'll make the rounds this week. You'll see it like Tuesday or Wednesday. If I see it, I'll tag you in it. He literally handed the ball to a defender. It was fuck. And he had a wide open wide receiver in his line of view. He could have just thrown it to. Instead, he tried to scramble. And they just the defender basically took the ball out of his hands. <laughs> As Drew Locke goes to scramble. With no one touching him, he loses control of the football. The defender then grabs hold of him and essentially just takes the ball from him in midair. Crazy as shit. Bengals end up winning that game 8-6, 15-10. I don't really think there's much to talk about here. Yeah, I'm Mason. pulling that highlight up right now. I'm about yeah. to live react to it because I see the video here. Uh, I yeah, want to see okay. how bad Drew Locke was because we liked Drew Locke last year. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Now, we'll say 
we did jump off that ship after three <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. That... I know. It's Number insane. 90 on the Bengals, big mandem. Say, give me that. That's my I know. shit. Just took it from him. <laughs> if you watch the beginning of that clip, I don't know how zoomed out it is. There's a Denver's uh, Broncos wide receiver down at the bottom of the screen who's wide open. Oh, and no. He, that's bad. Yes. It's so bad. Like, it's it's bad, bad. He treated Drew Locke like a toddler. You know when a I toddler's know. playing with something they're not supposed yeah. to and you just walk yeah. up and say, give me that. What are you doing? Yeah. That's what he did with a football. Against um, a grown man that gets paid to play. I know. Insane shit. Uh, finishing out here for the week, Ravens-Packers. Um, Tell me a little bit about what happened in this game because apparently your backup quarterback looks like a god, but I fell asleep, so I can't say that I saw all of it. The The Ravens came out with uh, – it, it's, it's really funny because I've been screaming that Lamar needs to do this for seven weeks now. The Ravens took – what the Packers gave them every single play. Here's what every drive looked like for the Ravens. First down, five-yard throw to Hollywood Brown or another wide receiver because the Green Bay was playing a little deeper. So, boom, instant five yards. Second and five, either a running play or another controlled pass. First down. First, and that was it. The whole game was that. It was the Ravens could move the ball at will, but the Packers could move the ball better. The Green Bay Packers were averaging 9.5 yards a play damn. on first down. They were damn near getting their first down every first down? On first down. So this all led to the end of the game, right? And there was actually a moment. John Harbaugh should have gone for two a little earlier in the game to push this issue quicker. We, the defense got two stops from Aaron Rodgers, which is all you really needed to do. Both teams only got eight possessions. And with that eight possessions, each team scored a touchdown almost every time. So there was no defense being played, really. Now, uh, at the end of the game, John Harbaugh went for two on the two-point conversion. Now, something everyone needs, and I want to put this in perspective for everyone that, that I can understand why people can't do math, um, but I want to I want to let everyone know why you shouldn't be dumb. So if you can't do math, and that's fine. You don't want to be dumb. This is what happened. The Ravens went into this at the end of the game going, if Aaron Rodgers gets this ball back, which he will, and they score, and, and they, so there were 42 seconds left on the clock, and Green Bay had two timeouts when we were going for that two-point conversion. So mind you, we would have to kick it to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers would get 40 seconds and two timeouts to get into field goal range. They are averaging 9.5 yards, basically a play. If it takes them four seconds per four to six seconds per play and they get the ball to 20, they will move that ball all the way down to our 35 pretty easily. It could be closer. Okay, so Mason Crosby would now be kicking a field goal to win the game or send it into overtime. Uh, he'd be kicking about a 42-yard field goal. Pretty average. Mason Crosby has had a lot of failures this year kicking. Knowing that, knowing that Mason Crosby would be put in a position to either win the game or send the game to overtime, I want as much pressure as I can possibly get on Mason Crosby. 
So how do I get that done? Because I know Aaron Rodgers is going to get that done. Like anyone who's out there is like, well, your defense could stop him. I'm going to point to the fact that he had the ball eight times. They had 31 points. I mean, it's a touchdown every time they got the ball. So I don't really believe in that. But I have watched Mason Crosby fuck up. Okay, so you go, Matt, take the extra point, and then hopefully Mason Crosby fucks up, and then you can go to overtime. And in overtime, Matt, hopefully you can get the coin flip. And if you don't get the coin flip, you can beg for your life because Aaron Rodgers is going to put that ball in the end zone. So what you're telling me is I now have to avoid a scenario where I'm praying for 50-50 odds to come out in my favor. Or I go for two, I get the two, which... Anyone who's complaining about John Harbaugh, that was a perfectly executed play in the sense that Mark Andrews had the corner of the end zone to work with. If if Huntley throws that ball down and not behind Andrews, but down, Andrews catches that ball for two points and the Ravens are up 32-31. Huntley also had a lane to run the ball. Huntley also had Mark and, uh, Hollywood Brown streaking in the back of the end zone wide open. So from an X's and O's perspective, everything actually came up exactly how you wanted it. Huntley missed a throw. Okay. So where you're at as the Ravens is going, I can either try to win this game. Now. And that's how John Harbaugh said, right? Oh, we're trying to win the game now. That's, that's, also, that's a lie. That's a lie. You couldn't. You were trying to get a lead. But Aaron Rodgers was still going to get the ball with 40 seconds against, mind you, that the Ravens came into this game with six of their starting players in the secondary out for the game. They lost the seventh during the game. So the Ravens had zero starting, starting players in their secondary against the odds-on favorite MVP, reigning MVP, and perhaps the best wide receiver in the NFL. I like my chances to go up to... Pray that Green Bay starts to get conservative. Maybe your defense, remember you're going to need, if you're flipping all these coins, your defense is going to need a stop somewhere anyway. So you'll get the one point. Pray your defense gets the stop. If they don't, I want a full pressure-packed environment for Mason Crosby to kick this field goal. And if he misses the field goal, you win the game. If he makes it, you lose. You got nothing out of the 31 other than putting yourself in that exact same scenario with Mason Crosby with no chance to win that game when he kicks that ball. Yeah, two weeks ago when you guys were in the exact same scenario against Pittsburgh at that time and still today, I believe that you guys should have kicked the field goal and gone to overtime because it's Pittsburgh. I don't think that their offense was going to light you up. I don't care what Ben was doing. Yeah. But in this game yesterday, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm def I, I didn't catch the whole game, but I have since then seen the ending. And with 40 seconds left, Rodgers is going to get him in position. So, yeah, I agree with trying to get up one instead of going for the tie, especially the way their offense was looking. A couple weeks ago, thought it was a mistake. This week, I, th I think it was a good call. Maybe just not executed the way you wanted. And that's it. When the game starts speeding up, your corners become less reliable. We don't have any. <laughs> Tony Jefferson just got cut from San Francisco. He's starting in our. He, he's starting. He's our starting safety. Yeesh. The entire sec. The entire secondary are players that were not on the Ravens roster as a contributor to start the year. I just don't like those odds against Aaron Rodgers. I just like. I'm sorry. You know, like that's how I feel. Yeah, I'm with so, you because Aaron Rodgers is driving that ball. Forty seconds is a world of time. He probably didn't even need the two timeouts to get a field right. goal. But he has them if he wants them. And that's why I said you go for the two, and you know what you try to do? You try to remove the pressure from Aaron Rodgers and put it all on Mason Crosby, who struggled this year. 
put it all on Mason Crosby, let him miss that, you know, miss that kick for 42 yards to win the game. You know what I mean? Put as much pressure as you can on that. And that's what you're doing. You were moving the pressure to the Packers. And you needed to do that because at 31-31, everything's relaxed and easy. Maybe you win the coin flip. Maybe you take it all the way down the field and score a touchdown. But you're going to tell me that if in order to score that touchdown, you're most likely going to be in a very similar scenario you were just in. And Huntley had an open Mark Andrews and an open Hollywood Brown and a running lane and couldn't make it. I don't know, again, you know, like I go with the same logic of if you have a two-yard play and it's drawn up perfectly and your team doesn't execute it, why do you think that later on in the game you're going to do it better? There's no logic to say that you're going to get any better than what you just did. So um, we'll move on from that. I know why people are upset about it because the logic is, well, tie the game, prolong your life. I'm not dying at the hand of Aaron Rodgers again. I'm going to try. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's, that's like taking some fentanyl and just going, yeah, I'm going to probably make it. I'm going to no, probably make no, it. No, you're not you're making not. it. You're not making it. And you're it. dead. <laughs> exactly. So um, last two games that we got to cover. Well, there's three on the docket. Let's run through them. Saints-Buccaneers. Absolute ugly game. Uh, Tom Brady is 0-4 as a Buccaneer against the Saints. 0-4. That's gross, but I mean, luckily gross. for him, he's not going to have to deal with them later, so whatever. No, yeah. So they're out of that. Uh, seven and seven, they could be in that pool. Look at the playoff picture. Can you second. imagine if the Saints sneak yes. in and get Tom out of there? It would be insane. Roger would be Goodell would too. probably shit his pants. He, it would be, it would be, they'd be calling another weird phantom PI. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Patriots, Colts, uh, this was a Saturday game. Colts beat the beat the shit out of the Patriots. And for everyone out there, including myself, that had said, well, the Patriots, they want to take away what you do best. The Tennessee Titans ran the ball for over 200 yards against them. Colts just did it again. The truth is the Patriots hope you throw the ball because they can't stop you running the ball. And the Indianapolis Colts said Carson Wentz is going to do nothing for us this game. He's going to sit in a chair and be a good boy. He's going to sit in a chair and be a good boy. Just like they did to Mac Jones, and what happened? They ended up winning the game significantly. Um, you may they made Mac Jones throw the ball. Mac Jones threw for two hundred ninety nine yards, two touchdowns, and that all looks great. He threw two picks, and that was the difference of the game. You couldn't really get in. Couldn't really get him in there. Patriots scored seventeen in the fourth quarter. They were getting beat twenty to zero going in. To that quarter yeah jonathan taylor had 29 rushes and he was getting six yards a pop so i, I yep. think that pretty much tells the story of of the pats defense on saturday could not control the trenches and then the uh los angeles chargers i'm an analytics person the chargers not taking the seven the three oh, points at bro. the end of the quarter was as egregious as it gets i was furious watching that game not because i actually care about what the chargers are doing but twofold one i needed the chargers to win to keep kc out of the number one seed which fucking kc is inevitable now they're back in number one but not only that i had the fucking chargers kicker on my fantasy teams and they're just completely ignoring three points and i'm i'm watching the tv like yo you gotta take three here right no brandon staley will go for it on fourth down again i'm like fuck but, and they weren't all bad calls. You know, the one guy, Parnum, 
hits his head on the back of the turf, drops the touchdown. That was that was a tragedy. Um, yeah, I, that, I, that was tough. That was tough to watch. Tough to watch. Uh, uh, you know, it's crazy because he wasn't hit. He just hit his head on the back of the – just crazy how that can happen to you. It shows you how fragile the head is. He has a helmet on. It's soft turf. He hits his head. Out. Hospital. Horrible scenario. But so that one, you know, I'm not putting that on Staley. I'm not putting the the third time they went for it either. But the second time before half, this clock is expiring and you go for it and you don't kick that field goal to make it seven. That's where I'm like, what are you doing here? What is the purpose here? So I don't really understand the logic. I know against KC, you say we need touchdowns, not field goals against Kansas City. But uh, I thought that safe points probably would have uh, – it would have helped for sure because it's not the same Kansas City offense. Now, they came alive with Tyreek and Kelsey later in the game. Yeah. But, I mean, while you have them down, you got to take all the points you can get, I think. I do want to note one thing real quick on the Chargers side here. Uh, Parnum, that injury, it was tough to watch. It it was – yeah, it was bad. We went over that already. But as a result of that injury, my young boy, my, my, my young homie, Trey McKitty, was able to get some snaps uh, – he played most of the game, mostly as a blocking tight end. But, yep. I mean, he was looking fantastic out there. Lead blocking for Herbert on Herbert's touchdown run. Um, he, he just did a great job blocking and opening up holes for the Chargers offense. And they ended up with like 200 yards of rushing. And, and I think that he was a big part of that. So I just wanted to give a, a quick shout out to my boy. And look, you've made the Kansas City Chiefs one-dimensional. And that helps you bring it close. I do not agree that you... That, you are right when people say, well, people are right when they say that you need touchdowns to beat Kansas City. That is unequivocal. You had four of them. You know what you needed to beat Kansas City? More points. <laughs> A field you know goal or two. Up? More points. And, and, and when you go for when you go for it on fourth down four times, one time's a fumble, three times you don't get it, you leave the equivalent of two, two, two touchdowns on the board and you go to overtime and lose, you really got to look in the mirror and go, I know what I was trying to do with the analytics, but the point of the analytics is to get more points than your opponent. You didn't do that. And when and this is what I don't understand with the analytics community. They go, well, no, it's the right move. And they go, well, let's just look at the last three weeks. This cost the Chargers a game. A lot of people want to contend that it cost the Ravens two games. I think there's some middle ground between going it's right all the time and you need to be more situational with it. I've, I've agreed with some of them, but Staley's comments nonstop about it. Dude, and since this is the last team we're talking about this weekend, you are healthy. This Chargers team is healthy. Very healthy compared to the rest of the teams around the AFC. Very few players that have missed significant time that are critical to your function. If I look at the entirety of the Los Angeles Chargers injuries from October 13th and back, they've put backups after backups on injured reserve. They have a few players they missed, like Ryan Slater, and Brian Balaga, who have been on there and are coming back. You do not have any major injuries. You have none. 
and you're eight and six. You aren't the king of analytics. You aren't the king of shit. You've got a great wide receiver, an offense that constantly he has to bail out, a defense that's as healthy as you can be for a defense that can't get stops. Uh, We have to take a step back and really talk about is Brandon Staley the next wonder kid or is he squandering a golden opportunity in a division where the Kansas City Chiefs were blown apart to start the year? You were part of that. And now you have a chance to get equal footing with them. You squander it because you think you're smarter than everybody. And now you're 8-6 and six with a team that's fully healthy for the most part. And you're, you're, you're middling around in the realm of the Baltimore Ravens, who have 21 players on IR, with not a single starter in the secondary remaining. We need to talk about how Brandon Staley's doing a bad job coaching. Because he is. Yeah, I kind of want to go easy on Staley a little bit. And the reason is only because he's a rookie head coach. You know, I think we always hear with rookie head coaches, they got to take their lumps. You know, they got to learn stuff. So I would assume year three of Brandon Staley is probably taking those field goals. But the roster might not be as talented as it is today in year three. So, I mean, you got to take advantage of what you got when you got it. And uh, those two-point conversions, I did not agree. (laughs) <laughs> you you've know, got I, I don't I didn't agree with those calls. You've got losses against Dallas, Baltimore, New England, Minnesota, Denver, and now Kansas City in overtime. You've got to pull more of these wins out. The Minnesota loss can't happen like that. The Denver lost division game, you got blown out. You know, Minnesota going Baltimore by week and then New England and losing both of those, I think is it's too much. You lost to Dallas early. Was your schedule easy? No, your schedule was not easy. But you're healthy, and you need to figure out ways to win this. You're going to end the year going Houston, Denver, and Las Vegas. It's unacceptable to me to finish anything other than 3-0. and You lose one of these games or two of these games, and it's going to blow my mind. You should beat up Houston. You should beat up Denver. You should beat up Las Vegas. There's a good chance that they go 2-1 and through this, and they go 10-7 and with a roster that's 100% healthy with all their starters from preseason. And when I look around at the other teams that are going to finish 10-7, and seven, it's going to be teams that battled through injuries or have quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger. You have a top-five quarterback, a top-three wide receiver room, a top-ten running back, a decent offensive line, a decent defensive line, a good secondary. Your special teams are in disaster and disarray, and that's on you also. And you're 8-6 and six struggling for a playoff spot. I just think he's completely underachieved for the entirety of the year. And uh, we'll see where it ends up. But right now, Staley's a team that if I'm making it to the playoffs, I want to play the Chargers. That's exactly I've, what I was going to ask you. As a Ravens fan, if you saw the Chargers on the wild card weekend, are you excited about that? Does that make you feel good? Yes. Yep, they might beat us. We have no secondary, and that's Justin Herbert. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope that their, their head coach – pulls that team Uh, I don't think he does anything to accentuate their strengths I think he's doing things that don't accentuate their strengths and then actually make up room for other teams to catch the gap between them okay anything we missed no uh I actually have one question uh before we wrap up I know you need to get out of here it's about Cliff Kingsbury I'm gonna backpedal a little bit Mm. so 
they're sitting at 10. They've been sitting at 10 wins for a while now. Now, before the season started, we had them on the hot seat, right? Mid-season, they were looking amazing. Yeah. We took them off the hot seat. If they lose out and, and get bounced in the first round, is that seat hot again? Yes. It should be hot. You ain't going to – you are, this team this year – I don't know. I don't think it's that hot. I think it starts to heat up. Lukewarm a little oven bit. On. Yeah, you're turning the oven on. But you're you're looking at, again, another late-season collapse. You are going to make the playoffs. That That is going to happen. But if you get into the playoffs and you end up playing like, okay, let's say your first round. God, their Let's say Minnesota sneaks in. Yeah, if they're – well, they, they wouldn't play Minnesota because the Green Bay is going to take the one seed. So they'd have to play – their first round would be against either Dallas, Tampa Bay, or the, they're in the drivers – they're in the – you know, the Rams have to win tomorrow night to flip them. But if the Rams do and they take the division, Arizona could be at Rams, at Tampa Bay, or at Dallas, and I don't know which one of those three they're capable of winning. Yeah, I don't like them in any of those, especially not without D-Hop. Uh, right now, just for a little flair – um, New Orleans is in the playoffs, and while they wouldn't be against Tampa Bay, they're not too far away from being in a rematch. Tampa Bay sitting in the third seed, New Orleans sitting in the seventh seed. So there is actually that that those those cannons in Tampa Bay all might actually be still aimed at New Orleans. Look, man, the Bucks' success brings up my property value because people keep wanting to move to Tampa. <laughs> so low key, I'm hoping Tom does it again, but. Uh, it would be entertaining to watch the Saints get them out of here, too. You know, I don't have that yep. much of a vested interest. All right. I think that does it for us, bud. Go ahead. Take us out. All right, man. We're going to go behind the curtain a little bit. We did this last episode. I'm going to just take a, a minute or two here to talk NBA before we really get going with the NBA pods here. Surprise of the year? I mean, there's a few surprises, really, but Memphis sitting at the four seed, 19 and 13 right now, largely without John Morant. I, I think that's pretty crazy. If you would have told me that before the season, I, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have called you a crackhead or something like that. Uh, other big surprise, maybe not a, a huge surprise, but it, you got to be at least a, a little shocked that Minnesota's sitting there 30 games into the season, Minnesota sitting in that eighth seed. Uh, you know, they'd, ha they'd have to be in that play-in tournament. But if you're a Minnesota fan, you got to be feeling good. Anthony Edwards looks like he's turning the corner. He's he's an emerging star. You guys know how I feel about Anthony Edwards. He's my player of the year this year to watch. Um, and one more thing, my league pass team of the year, the, the Chicago Bulls sitting in the two-seed in the East. They look good. DeMar DeRozan is the king of the fourth right now. He's getting it done in the fourth quarter and from the mid-range. And it's just been impressive. They're, they look good as a team. They're playing good defense. Uh you know, the offense is good enough, and yeah, they, they've been really entertaining. Shout out to my boy Caruso. But let's get out of here. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pick and Play Show. Uh, as usual, if you enjoyed the show, like, subscribe, review, but most importantly, share this thing with a friend. Happy holidays. We'll see you later in the week with another NFL pod, I think. I won't promise anything, but until next time, we'll see I don't wanna take no time to write this down I wanna tell you how I feel right now